0: It was through Jay that I first learned of the skinwalkers, those wolves who walked on two legs, the werewolves of the Navajo. Jay's father had seen them looking down from the smoke hole of his Hogan, and he'd once fallen under their spell by wearing a wolf skin he'd found in a hollow tree. I heard Jay tell that skinwalkers could move on two legs faster than any car. An excerpt from Meditations with the Navajo, Prayers, Songs, and Stories of Healing and Harmony by Gerald Hausman and Richard Erdos. If you've ever visited Colorado, or if you're lucky enough to live here, then you know it's an outdoor enthusiast's playground. Hiking, biking, skiing, the list goes on and on. But there's another side to the centennial state that most people will never see it's a side that's a little darker a little more sinister and a little bit strange welcome to strange colorado according to the site southernute-nsn.gov forward slash history The Ute people are the oldest residents in what is now the state of Colorado. Their ancient tribal lands ranged from Colorado into Utah, Wyoming, eastern Nevada, northern New Mexico, and Arizona. Because their territory was so large, their society was broken up into regional groups, such as the Moash Band, which primarily lived on the eastern slope from current-day Denver all the way south into Las Vegas, New Mexico, and the Caputa Band, which lived east of the Continental Divide, south of the Coneos River and the San Luis Valley. These two bands today make up the Southern Ute Tribe, which is based now in Ignacio, Colorado. Historically, these people were mostly hunter-gatherers. In the fall, the men would hunt large game-like elk, and the women would help by trapping smaller game, as well as collecting wild berries, fruits, and other edible plants. Because they were always living off of the land and in harmony with what the natural landscape could provide, they would move together in family units, which made setup and teardown of their camps more efficient. Traveling in smaller groups also made relocation easier for the Utes in the fall when they would move out of the mountain regions before the harsh winter weather set in. They established winter camps along the White, Green, and Colorado Rivers. During the winter months, these smaller family units would generally set up camp nearer to one another, in order to ensure that they had access to more fuel shares for cooking and also so that they could mount a stronger defense against enemy tribes who would sometimes raid the Ute camps for their winter supplies. Because the weather was often so harsh and cold, these family groups were closer to one another during this time than at any other time of the year. And many of their nights would be spent collectively gathered around fires in the middle of their camp as they cooked. And ate, repaired their tools and weapons, and made new or repaired existing clothing. It was by the glow of these fires that they would often exchange stories of hunts, battles, travels, or other happenings amongst their family units. It was a time that they were all reminded of customs, practices, and their history. And as I'm sure you know, or at least I hope you know, the Utes weren't the only Native group in Colorado historically. According to Uncover Colorado, in an article titled Native American Tribes in Colorado, by the time European Americans entered the region, Cheyenne, Arapaho, Apache, Shoshone, Comanche, Kiowa, and Navajo people could also be found here hunting the wealth of big game such as elk, deer, and bison that the plains had to offer. With all of these different groups of people coming and going amongst the primarily Ute lands, legends and stories were shared and spread, and run-ins, often violent, between opposing tribes, occurred. But due to the upheaval of their history, traditions, and lands upon the arrival of the settlers, much of their oral history was lost. But accounts of some of these legends began to resurface, even amongst these new settlers who were completely naive to the legends and lore of the native peoples that had inhabited the land before them. And oftentimes, these run-ins led to rumors spreading about unexplained encounters with unknown creatures. But what these creatures were and where they came from were a mystery to everyone except the Utes and the Navajo. According to certain legends, the Navajo and the Ute people have a very turbulent history in Colorado. According to a History.com article by Adam Janos, the Navajo were known to be much more aggressive as a people in general. They would take slaves from opposing tribes, and the Navajo in Colorado frequently took Utes as slaves. When the Navajo attempted to move into and take over Ute land, the resulting conflict was fierce. In a shift in power that was made possible by the introduction of horses by the arrival of the Spanish to the area, the Utes actually began to start abducting Navajo people, and then they would turn around and sell them into the slave markets in New Mexico. Then, according to Legends of America, during the Civil War, bands of Utes joined with Kit Carson's military campaign against the Navajo which resulted in the Navajo being forced from their lands in the Fort Corners region and being driven to a reservation near Fort Sumner, New Mexico. This event was called the Long Walk of the Navajo. The Navajo people who survived this long walk were plunged into a state of suffering during this time, and in their fury at the Utes, legends of a curse that they placed upon the Utes and their land began to spread. But what was this curse? And what were its consequences? Well, the Navajo have long held the belief in what is known today as skinwalkers. And now, as someone who is not Native and not connected to the culture at all, but interested in this story, especially as it pertains to cryptids and the paranormal in this state, which is what this podcast is based on, I'm going to do my best to approach this subject in a respectful manner because the Navajo traditionally do not like to speak about these creatures and reports about why differ, but I'm trying to approach it from a place of curiosity and respect for the legends and the lore. So, skinwalkers are described as human-like creatures with dog heads usually covered in dark fur with large coal red eyes and they are incredibly fast strong and agile in an article on mysterywire.com by duncan phoenix a skinwalker is said to be born from an evil witch who gains the ability to turn into an animal of their choosing tales of humans with such abilities or shapeshifters in popular lore actually go back more than 40,000 years in the history of man. So it's not necessarily unique to Navajo culture in the broader sense of that idea, but the Navajo have a very specific lore around their specific version of a skinwalker. In Navajo tongue, the word for skinwalker is yi naldu shiai, which translates to By means of it, it goes on all fours. As I've said before, the subject of these beings is taboo within the Navajo culture, and members are generally very reluctant to discuss them, especially with outsiders, for fear of facing retribution from these creatures. But there are some aspects that we do know. Being a skinwalker is not something that just happens to you. And it's not something you can be infected by, which is a common misconception outside of the Navajo community. Many believe that skinwalkers are the same as or closely related to werewolves. When in fact, the process to become a skinwalker is quite involved and very deliberate. To begin with, you must commit a truly evil deed such as murdering a close family member or a loved one. Most often, this ends up being a sibling. And then the evil energy born of such an act imbues the killer with the supernatural ability to become an animal. They can become any animal, but often choose some type of a carnivorous predator, such as a wolf, bear, mountain lion, or even a dog. Some kind of a creature that can offer... Added speed, strength, agility, hunting powers, etc. In order to do this, this person must wear the skin of their chosen animal, thus becoming that animal. Once they make this transformation, they also gain the ability to possess other humans simply by making eye contact with them. Now, a way to tell when someone has become a skinwalker even when they're out of animal form is reportedly by the way their eyes look. When in animal form, a skinwalker will still have human-looking eyes. But when they shift back into human form, their eyes will look like the type of eyes of whatever animal they've chosen to shift into. Because these people are believed to be witches practicing dark magic, they're often outcasts from their societies, frequently meeting other skinwalkers in secluded places such as caves, where they perform dark rituals, causing harm to others even from a great distance through black magic. They're also believed to commit offenses against the bodies of the dead, including cannibalism and robbing burial sites of the corpses for the valuables that they were buried with, amongst other very disturbing reasons. It's also said that these skinwalkers have the ability to read others' minds, as well as control their thoughts. They've been thought to be responsible for the outbreak of disease, and they're also believed to be able to cause destruction of property and death in their targeted victims. It's also reported that they can control other nocturnal creatures and make them do their biddings. In order to sustain their existence, a skinwalker has to continually kill or they themselves will die. They often choose their victims in response to greed, anger, jealousy, and revenge. So having anything to do with these creatures, even in their human form, is extremely dangerous. And that's why most of the Navajo won't even speak of them. Years later, after their initial expulsion from their tribal lands, the Navajo were able to return home. But during their hardships, many within their tribe, who were dealing with hunger and anger against those that had wronged them, decided to turn to dark magic and become skinwalkers as a form of survival and a way to inflict revenge. And the tribe's plague of skinwalkers as a result of this exile did not disappear when they returned home. While initially this influx of skinwalkers was intended to be a curse that would follow and haunt the Utes and their lands, some of their members who had decided to make this dark transition followed the tribe home. Upon their arrival back into their tribal lands, Certain members began to accuse others of being skinwalkers. This resulted in the Navajo's own version of the Salem Witch Trials of a sort, and it was called the Navajo Witch Purge of 1878. When all was said and done, 40 members of the tribe who were suspected were killed in order to rid the tribe of the afflictions that had been brought on by what they believed to be so many skinwalkers now being counted amongst their ranks. However, the sightings and the run-ins with skinwalkers didn't die with these 40 Navajo. People all across the Four Corners region and throughout Colorado continued to report strange encounters that still persist in these areas today. Thankfully. Most of the run-ins that are more recent seem to have a tone of being more mischievous than deadly. Some of the examples I was able to find of modern people in our state having encounters with skinwalkers are as follows. One rancher who owned a herd of sheep was up late one night making repairs on his home when he heard the sounds of a man laughing. The laughter sounded like it was coming from the direction of his sheep's pen. So he headed that way with a flashlight in hand to see what sort of weirdo was trespassing on his property so late at night. When he reached the sheep pen, he found all of his sheep huddled tightly together in one corner of the pen. And in the opposite corner, his flashlight landed on the source of the laughter. A single ram was standing on two legs alone, and it was laughing with the voice of a man. The ram locked eyes with the rancher, and the man noticed the eyes were that of a human, not a sheep. I don't know if you've ever seen a sheep's eyes, but they are very distinct, and it would be very obvious if they weren't natural to the animal. Frozen in his confusion and growing fear, the rancher watched as this ram then dropped back onto all four legs and slowly walked away. In other reports, motorists driving along remote stretches of road in Colorado at night have reported large humanoid creatures or impossibly large wolf-like creatures that come up alongside their vehicles sometimes traveling as fast as 60 or 65 miles per hour. These creatures will run alongside the car for a while at this impossible rate of speed before finally breaking away and disappearing into the darkness of the woods. Some have even reported seeing these creatures transform into a fiery ball before vanishing. Reports of human-like creatures covered in hair with glowing eyes scowling down on hikers and campers from cliffs and mesas have also occurred. Animal mutilations have also been attributed to these entities, but few, if any human deaths have actually been laid at the feet of skinwalkers. The Navajo believe the level of evil it requires to become one of these creatures is so great that the person who undergoes this transformation has forever forfeited their humanity, and therefore they do not deserve to live and must be killed. But killing a skinwalker is much more difficult than you might imagine. And if one attempts to kill a skinwalker and fails, this witch or skinwalker inevitably seeks revenge upon the person who attempted to kill them. And it ends very, very badly for that individual. It is said that only the assistance of a strong and powerful Navajo shaman who knows how to go about this can be successful in accomplishing this task. These shaman possess certain spells and knowledge of rituals that can actually turn the skinwalkers' evil deeds back on themselves, thus killing them. A second method, if you're desperate and don't happen to have a Navajo shaman on speed dial, is said to be shooting the creature in the head or the neck with a bullet that has been dipped in white ash. Kind of reminiscent of a whole silver bullet with the werewolves thing. While most Navajo refuse to speak to outsiders of these creatures for fear of retribution and also to protect their culture, Some, completely unconnected with the Navajo culture, still claim to have run-ins with them. So perhaps, in this case, knowledge is power. If you happen to be in historically Ute or Navajo lands after dark, watch your back and don't trust any creatures you may encounter. If you do happen to have a run-in with a skinwalker, From what I've seen from native TikTok videos, your best bet is to just not look them in the eye and mind your own business. The history of the lands we inhabit today is long and deep, and it was well established before Colorado was even a twinkle in any settler's eye. I challenge you all who are listening to learn about it and educate others when you can. And most of all, respect it. Just because you may not believe in native legends and curses brought on by ancient feuds doesn't mean their existence isn't a reality. And disbelief and ignorance won't protect us from the things that go bump in the night when we find ourselves alone in the dark, in the wild places of our beautiful and mysterious state. Mm. Thanks for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram at Strange Colorado Podcast. If you have a strange story of your own or an episode suggestion, you can reach me at Strange at gmail.com.